God that keeps it all together. This morning, and by now, you probably have begun to settle into some routines, as I think we're into week six now of having church this way, and so some of you have been sending me your emails and texts about where you sit and enjoying your coffee and your breakfast, but I pray right now that there would just be this sense of calm that would just settle over you as your spirit begins to open up to receive the word of the Lord and that somehow today God would minister to you in a very powerful way. If you have your Bibles, and I trust that you do, whether it be your electronic Bibles on your smartphone or your real Bible that you are opening up and marking along with us, I'm going to ask that you would turn to Colossians chapter 1, and I want to read verses 15 through 17, and then ask that you would hang on to your Bible because there's going to be some other passages that we're going to be uh, reviewing today that I think will be meaningful to you. The Scripture says in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Father, I ask right now that wherever people are, whether they are watching or whether they are listening, that you would begin to grip their attention with the help of your Holy Spirit. Whatever they are going through in life, may they just stop for this moment recognizing that you have a word that you want to speak to them. For those that may not know you, I ask that they can watch in the safety of their home, and I ask that there your Holy Spirit would guide and direct their thoughts. And so, Lord, we pray these things through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. Amen. I am persuaded that in this season of life, there are many people that are struggling with questions of God's goodness and His faithfulness and His love right now things that are happening in their life, and, and they're beginning to wonder, how can a loving God allow these things to happen? And they're questioning these things not because He has been unfaithful to any promise in any way, but because we simply are not on His agenda page. Our agenda and our definition of what a good God should give us is a life of comfort, pleasure, and predictability. And if he will just do these things, then we elevate him to a good God. And without that, we begin to question him. And so we find ourselves in the middle of this unprecedented time that our entire world is shaken. Everything that we have and own and do has all changed. And for the most part, I have looked at this, and, and the Lord has been speaking to me as I've come to realize that I believe that everything that we have put our trust in that is not God is being shaken. We have people today who have spoken to me in different times and said, you know, I know you're a pastor, but I just want to tell you that don't talk to me about your God because I really believe that God is only for those that are weak. God is only for those that feel like they're hopeless and helpless and can't control their own destiny. And so they need a savior. And I'm not in that category. And my life is good. And I don't need anyone to help me. 
so I really don't need your God. And then there are those of you that would never think of saying those words out loud. But by the way you live, you're living as if those things are true. And into this attitude of human arrogance and a false sense of security, the God of the universe says, let me show you just how quickly your view of everything can change if I allow just a little bit of shaking to the things that you have built your life upon. For those of you that have put your trust in money, you have counted that to be your security and you have determined that you're going to be okay because of this false sense of financial security. We have just seen the most rapid decline of the world financial markets in history. It went from record highs to a bottom dropping out in days, and nobody saw this global crisis coming. And if suddenly everything that you had put your hope in as it related to finances, and you were leaning on that thinking, I'm okay because I've got resources, suddenly with just a little shaking, that prop has fallen over. For those of you who have your identity wrapped up in your jobs and your education and your titles and your ability to take care of yourself, you are experiencing a global lockdown that is destroying small businesses and, and bringing large corporations to their knees. And if you are leaning on your job title to hold you up, that support and this shaking has fallen away from you. For those of you who your God had become your freedom, and I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, suddenly you are locked into your homes, and the support of your free will has been knocked out from underneath you, and that prop has fallen away. For those of you who thought that maybe it was your health, man, as long as I'm healthy, I am good, and I can take care of everything. We have seen the fear of this virus force children from their schools and family and friends be separated. And there's a term that we didn't even know existed a few weeks ago called social distancing that we probably use every day now. And all of this took place in six weeks. One month ago, if you saw somebody in a store that was wearing a mask, you stayed away from them because you thought they were weird and they must have something that you weren't supposed to catch. Today, if you go to a store and you see somebody not wearing a mask, you stay away from them because you're afraid you're going to get something that they may be carrying. Our entire world and our behavior has completely changed in just a little over one month. Do not miss the purpose of this process. God is not allowing this shaking to torment you. I believe with all of my heart that he's allowing this to awaken us. If you're receiving your affirmation and your love and your self-worth and your joy and your strength or your acceptance from anything and any other source but God, then he will shake it. He doesn't do it to cause you pain. Rather, he wants to pull you closer to him because he recognizes that he is the security that you desperately need and the relationship that you can thrive in. I was in a line waiting to get into a store and we had little markers out there indicating how far six feet was apart. And as we were standing there, there was a couple that was behind me and I asked them, I said, how are you guys doing? 
How's it going with your family? And they looked at me and the man said, right now I am just trying to keep it all together. So this morning for the next few moments, I just want to share with you about the God who really is keeping us all together. We heard the worship team sing a little bit a little while ago as it related to some wonderful words of the power of a God that created everything. And the first thing that I want you to understand today is this. God is a universe maker. God is a universe maker. In Psalm 33, verse 6, the scripture says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. I'd like to take just a moment to try to contemplate the heavens, which I understand is a, a very difficult thing for us to even comprehend. But our planet is 8,000 miles wide. Our sun is 870,000 miles wide. You could put 1.3 million Earths inside of our sun. Another way for our limited minds to try to grasp something that is as unfathomable to think of is, is something in terms of the speed of light. Light travels at a speed of 186,000 miles per second. Light gets from the earth to the moon in 1.2 seconds. The light of the sun takes 8.3 minutes to reach our earth. And to our largest planet, Jupiter, it would take 41 minutes to get there. The farthest planet that you can see with the naked eye is Saturn. And it would take light 85 minutes to get there. Beyond that, the next nearest star is called the Alpha Centauri, which is Light would take 4.3 years to get there. Now, I recognize that we are in the middle of spring, even though the snow that we have had this week would indicate that we are struggling to get there. But in the summer when you're outside, there is one big red star that seems to show up more than any other. It's called Antares. And the light that you see when the weather warms up and you can get outside and look at it, the light you see today left that star 604 years ago at the speed of light to get to us today. We live in the Milky Way galaxy. And if you were to start at one end and go to the other, it would, traveling at the speed of light, take you 100,000 years in just our galaxy alone. So we begin to ask ourselves the question, how big are the heavens that God created? To what Scientists believe would be the end of the observable universe. Light would need to travel at 186,000 miles per second for 15 billion years to reach that. 30 years ago, NASA launched the Hubble telescope into space to, to send back pictures of things that mankind has never been able to see with our naked eyes. And as I was doing some research on this, I came across a, a series of pictures from the Hubble telescope that deserves our attention this morning. I want to show you these pictures. The first one, the Hubble telescope focused one of its cameras on a piece of space that would be one-tenth the size of our moon and took a photo constantly of the same spot for one million seconds. 3.2 years 
because scientists wanted to see how many heavenly bodies would show up in that period of time, and this is what they saw. The next picture, scientists begin to recognize that even this was too much space to, to fully distinguish the differing bodies, so they took one-tenth of the first picture and focused their camera again, and this is what they saw. The next picture is as the camera focused even tighter, suddenly galaxies started to take shape and could begin to be seen in a three-dimensional way. And many of these galaxies are estimated to be many, many times larger than the Milky Way galaxy that Earth is a part of. You can begin to see how many different galaxies exist in just this one minute sliver of space. Within this picture, one galaxy caught the scientists' attention. It is estimated to be 20 million light years from Earth, and they named it the Whirlpool Galaxy because of the way it looked. In the fourth picture, we see that with a different lens, scientists begin to take pictures of its unique shape and see that it was made up of hundreds of millions of bodies of matter. One thing they noticed was that in this hurricane-shaped galaxy, there was a very, very minute dark spot that would be considered the eye of this hurricane, a spot in which everything about this whirlpool galaxy seemed to rotate around. And as they focused their most powerful lenses on it, the image was captured, and it is one that will stir your soul to wonder and praise. Look at this. This is what they found. At the center of this galaxy is an image of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, a sign of the incredible universe spanning love of God, the greatest sign of redemption creation has ever known. It's amazing to think that when God breathed the stars into existence on the fourth day of creation, that he put in place an image in a location that is so remote that it would take mankind thousands of years of research to be able to have the ability just to find it. And then to guide the scientists out of the entire space to focus on this galaxy, to find that God had put a sign of his redemption before he had even created man. God placed his signature on the painting of the heavens. He created and left it for us to discover, to show us that he, God, is the creator of the universe. As I was thinking about that this week, I thought, no wonder King David, lying in the fields at night, looking at the incredible stars above him, cried out what we find in Psalm 19.1 when he said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The God of the heavens declares his majesty. Our God is amazing beyond our ability to comprehend, yet all of creation speaks of him. It's interesting to me that the first line of the Bible 
The first 10 words say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What amazes me about this is that how God divides his creation for us in his unlimited and unknowable heavenly universe. He divides it into two categories, that which goes forever, and then he says, there's the earth. We are one tiny speck in our galaxy, but it was the earth that God placed in just the right location to have the conditions that would sustain the life that he would create so that we could have relationship with him. There's another picture that I want to show you, and this one was taken by the International Space Station. It's a picture of the earth, and it shows clearly how God has created the heaven of uh, the earth to have a night and a day, and it separated by the way that it rotates on its axis. And then this last picture is a picture of our country from space. It is still so far up that you cannot distinguish states or cities or homes or roads or cars or individuals. Yet it was Earth, this tiny planet, in comparison to all the others that God chose to focus his creative attention to. And he created everything. And he created it for his purpose. There's something else that's found here in Scripture. It's in verse 17 of our text. It says, And in him all things hold together. After God establishes his power for us, he then does something different. He moves from the massive creation of all of the heavens and all of space and all of the planets and all of the galaxies, and then he turns his attention to earth, which he calls out by name, and he says, but I'm not done creating there because while I am the universe maker, I also am a person creator. You see, God is the person knitter. In Psalm 33, verses 13 through 15 the scripture says to us, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on the earth. He who forms the heart of all who considers everything they do. In other words, there is this watchful eye of God. He didn't just create and let it go. He is watching everything that happens and he is still creating in the hearts of men. Jesus didn't just create the heavens and the earth and then exit, leaving us to our own devices or our own ingenuity to keep it going and to keep it together. He created the universe and he sustains it. He not only sustains it, he's still working and creating. He's also forming the hearts of all men and he considers everything that we do. Let me give you some scriptural insight into how he is still a God that's creating today. In Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14, it says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. 
When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. You are made with perfect love. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who put you together. He knew you before creation. That is an astounding statement to me. That before he created everything that we see and everything that we can't see, he knew you. And he knew what he was going to do with you. And he knew how he was going to create you. He knew you from the moment of your conception. He made you from the time that you were a single cell. He watched over you microscopically and embryonically as you were being knit together. He laid down the genetic code and the DNA that determines your unique characteristics. It is no accident that you are here. For you are planned by the Lord. And today I want you to know you owe your very life to him. I recognize right now that it's not just people from our church that are watching this. There have been people that have been tapping in from all over the country. And I know that many of you I've never met. And perhaps today there's a lady that is standing here and you're listening to this right now. And you're facing an unexpected pregnancy. And you've been debating whether or not to, to, ter to terminate this pregnancy. And right now there are plenty of voices out there that are telling you that what you have in your womb right now is just lifeless tissue. And that everything will be okay if you take that step. But right now you are listening to me because God has directed you here. This is a, a divine moment that the Lord is speaking to you. And he wants you to know that he is knitting that child together. In fact, I can tell you that the child that is growing within you right now has the fingerprints of God all over them. And I want you to know that when you feel life is out of control, God will hold you together through this. If you don't think that you can do this by yourself, then there are, there are organizations near you that can help you, or we can help you. There's a number that's going to be on your screen right now, and I want you to know you can call that number, and we will answer, and we will help you, because God is creating something and wants to bring it to fulfillment within you. Psalm chapter 139, at the end of verse 16 and 17, goes on to say this, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. I love how David responds to discovering that God has an all-encompassing knowledge of him. You know, if we get to the place where we really think that there's an individual that knows everything about us, we may want to stay away from them because we would be fearful that they would not only know our good things, they would know all the bad things about us. But David looks at this and rather than being afraid that the God of the universe knows him so completely, he takes great comfort in the knowledge that God knows him and loves him so personally. When you understand that God knows everything about you, but still loves you. Your fears are disarmed as you realize he wants to redeem you for relationship. He is such an intensely personal God. So he is God, the universe maker. He's also God, 
the person knitter. He also is God, the glue that holds us all together. Colossians 1.17 states, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. As we were singing just a few moments ago, we sang the words that it's from his breath the stars were born. It was by his command that the infinite variable of moving parts stabilized. It is this powerful God that is above and greater than all of his creation. You see, God is transcendent, which means that he is the ruler of all creation. He's also sovereign, which indicates that he, he's not, uh, that he is greater. Excuse me. Transcendent is that he's greater than all creation. He's sovereign, which means that he's the ruler of all creation. But there's one more step in this progression that is incredibly important. And that is that the eminence of God, which means that he is intimately and personally involved in every detail of everyone that he has created. A few years ago, I saw a video clip of Lou Giglio speaking, and he was preparing a series of messages that he was going to be doing on how God has shown himself in the human body. And there was an amazing discovery that took place there. And rather than trying to recreate the story, I want to show you a video of Lou Giglio telling the story of what he discovered. Once you watch that with me now. We were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God. Introduces himself to me. Says, how are you doing? I just want to say hello. I said, it's nice to meet you. He says, you guys winding the tour down. Uh, where are you going to go from here? I said, well, I'm on my way back home to Atlanta, Georgia. He said, well, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta. He said, oh, cool. What are you preaching on? I said, well, the series is on the glory of God in the human body. He said, that's really amazing. I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. Give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk for a molecular biologist. So I kind of stumbled through what I had. And he's kind of being kind and gracious and like, uh-huh, that's good. And then he says, well, what's your big left hook? You got to have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet. He said, oh, Louie. Oh, man, your left hook is laminin. And I'm totally blank on laminin. And he goes, Louie, it's a cell adhesion molecule. Protein molecule? Do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, Louie, cells organize into certain molecular structures, and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body. But one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure, and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. And I'm like... All right. He said, no, Louis. it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things, it's that stuff. It's, it's holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louis. It's laminin. You've got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to see laminin. I'm like, okay, let's see it. He said, no, 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 you need to go look it up. 
online. You need to go Google laminin. Like, I don't even know how to spell laminin. <laughs> Takes his card out. He writes on the back, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. I'm like, okay, I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminin, and I'm waiting, and these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like... That's laminin, the cell adhesion molecule. Woo! <laughs> I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. <laughs> you should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now, okay? This is what I found right here. No, come on, that's crazy. That's just crazy. I'm, I just can't believe it. I emailed that guy back so fast, I'm like, wow, 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 what in the world? He said, do you want to see an actual laminin molecule? I'm like, oh no, man, the diagram was cool for me. I'm happy with that. Don't, don't bother sending anything else. I'm like, yes! And he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. Like, how crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, all things have been created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. But then the next verse goes on to say this, it's crazy. And he, Jesus, is before all things and in him, that is in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. It's right, it's right there. I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And he goes on at the end of this paragraph and he just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Isn't that incredible? The heavens, the galaxies, the stars, the comets display the glory of God and His glory can even be seen in the smallest microscopic levels of our body. He holds all things together. He has put a trillion signatures in your body declaring that He loves you. I want you just to take a moment right now, kind of shut yourself in from everybody that may be around you, 
And let me speak to you for a second, because if he holds the stars in place, he can be trusted with your depression. If he holds the moon in orbit, he can hold you in your financial struggle. If he holds the atoms together, he can hold on to your family issues. If he holds the waters in the ocean, he can hang on to your marriage that's in difficulty right now. If he holds the snow that's on the mountains, he can hold on to you in the sickness that you're experiencing. If he holds the sun in the sky, he can hold on to you even though you have lost your job. If he can hold the trees and the leaves on the trees, then he can hold you through a bankruptcy. And if he can hold lightning in his hands, then he can hold you while you may be incarcerated today. There is no place that you can go that the hands of God will not hold you together. I want you to understand today that the glory of creation all around us is an indication that God can take care of you. Whatever condition you find yourself in today, I'm going to ask you to make a decision today that the universe maker, that the human knitter, the God who holds you all together desires, after knowing everything about you, for you to experience his love in a very personal way. And so I'm going to ask you today, would you make a decision after everything that you have built your life upon is being shaken, that he's trying to awaken you to the fact that he is the solid rock that will never fail. And if, you're ready, if you are ready to pray that prayer with me today, would you just close your eyes and just say this with me. Heavenly Father, everything that I built my life upon that I thought would sustain me, you have shaken in these past few weeks. And I've come to realize that I'm not nearly self-sufficient as I thought I was. Lord, there are people that are going through such difficulties right now. And, and they've questioned the goodness of, of you as a being, as a God. And I pray right now that you would express to them that you know every detail about them. And you love them more than there's love's ability to describe through human lips. And right now I ask that you would take a hold of them, O oh God, and that you would whisper into their spirit that you are a God that loves them and will forgive them because you desire to make them brand new and have a relationship with them that will sustain them when the things around them are shaken. So you who are the universe maker, the human knitter, and the one that holds us all together, we commit our lives to you right now. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.